Hi, everyone, and welcome to the MSX podcast. Today, we're joined by Joseph X. Robin. He went to Princeton University for undergrad and the University of Alabama at Birmingham for medical school. He's also a third-year orthopedic surgery resident at NYU. Thank you, Joe, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Zach. All right, Joe. So just to start off, give the listeners a little bit of an understanding of how you got into medicine, I guess, through your origin story. It's kind of a funny story because I grew up in a family of two doctors. My parents were both pediatricians, and I kind of looked at medicine from early on as uh, a pretty ordinary career that was just kind of like a service job, much like many jobs are. And I kind of just thought it was like that was the family business. And I almost sound like Dale from uh, Step Brothers. I don't know, it's random, random. <laughs> no, but it was just, I, I never saw it as like a very glamorous job. I always saw it as kind of just like what my family did. So from early on, I, I thought I wanted to go into medicine. And the further I went, the more I realized it was something I actually you know, was passionate about. And I pursued it from early on and I guess did the necessary things to keep going. But yeah, that's, that was kind of like the, my, my why early on. As far as like some of your motivations, could you maybe compare what are the things that brought your parents into medicine versus what brought you into it? Yeah, that's interesting. I think I had early exposures that really uh, were positive and interesting and cool. And those really came kind of like in passing where like my parents would bring me to work or I'd hear what they talked about at dinner. And those were all things that kind of excited me about medicine. But I think for them, you know, it's more of a leap of faith. But for me, I think I had a nice, like, prolonged exposure where I was, you know, kind of in the milieu, but not really knowing what it was until I got into it. But yeah, that I think that's that's probably the difference there. And then, so as you're in medical school and deciding on a field to go into, what brought you into orthopedics? Yeah, so orthopedics is always something that was pretty high on my radar. I, I grew up with a sports background, like every orthopedic surgery person will joke about telling you, but I had early exposures from injuries myself and I, you know, broke a lot of bones, played a lot of sports that kind of kept me going back to you know, seeing orthopedists. But I think going into medical school, I knew I wanted to do something surgical. I didn't really know why, but I liked the idea of the immediacy of like fixing something like diagnosing and fixing I don't know if I had the patience to do something more, um, you know, that took time and took a lot of steps that were out of my control. I, I liked the immediacy of fixing things. And I think orthopedics really lend itself to that because there's a lot of quick interventions that we can do that are really life-changing. And one thing that I really learned in medical school about myself was I really didn't like the idea of really sick patients and dealing with really dire circumstances that really didn't have good answers. I liked that in orthopedics, we had really good solutions to these difficult problems that provide huge lifestyle benefits and life-changing treatments. That really, I think, is what appealed to me. So I just leaned in and went for it. And so a big part of your early high school and uh, college was obviously athletics played on the team in high school and then also in college so you know let's like walk through how you got interested in sports um yeah. specifically like football and maybe the, the culture around that 
I grew up, so I was born in New York. I lived in Cleveland until I was 13. And I, uh, all the guys were going out for football and I was on the soccer team and I was like, let me see what that's all about. So I went out for football and I really enjoyed the contact side of it. I really enjoyed the physicality of football and I really enjoyed the camaraderie. It's, you know, 11 guys out there playing against, you know, a team. It's like this big rehearsed thing where we practice, you practice all these different plays you practice all these different like formations and setups but when you get out there you know all that goes out the window sometimes it's really just comes down to working with your teammates and making adjustments on the fly and I really loved the strategy side of it and I, and I did love just the physicality of it and I continued to play um, when I moved down to Alabama when I was in high school where I played for one of the big public high schools you know 150 guys on the team it's really fun experience I had some some coaches that were, really, that were really instrumental for me that really made me kind of challenge myself and how I kind of viewed myself. And a lot of my self-identity honestly stems from, you know, freshman, sophomore year of high school where football was so grueling and so hard. And honestly, so uh, it, at times it felt like very uh, like there was like no, like I, I was given so much, but I wasn't getting much out of it. But in hindsight, it gave me so much and it helped me get to college and provided me with so many good memories. So it was good. Yeah, let's go deeper into to learning more about interactions with your coaches. I saw you tweeted some high school football coach giving a, a pep talk and I listened to it and it definitely gave me chills as well. No, it's it's so interesting. I think it's really easy to like go through and not have dealt with criticism from people that aren't really your parents or your teachers and you kind of like can get through your whole life until you get a job and then you're getting criticized by your boss and you're like wow this is all new but like football from early on I kind of learned to take criticism and instruction and try to implement it and you know change my performance and I think my coaches were teaching me lessons when I didn't even realize they were, that were not just technical football things, but how to perform under stress, how to listen to the content of what someone's saying, maybe not how they're saying it all the time, and really learning to improve my performance uh, and challenge myself to improve my performance. And uh, I think football also has this whole element of preparation that you, you prepare all year, 12 months a year, you're you know, lifting weights and practicing and thinking about how you're getting better. And the games are so fleeting. There's so few of them. So it's almost like the quintessential preparation far outweighs the actual game. And I think that's something that I think about a lot with our surgeries is we, you know, we obsess over all the technical aspects of the surgery, but the surgery can be 30 minutes, can be two hours and it's just here and gone. But you might, you may have spent months years thinking about how to do the surgery or how to perfect it and i don't know there's a lot of crossover that i continue to find today you mentioned earlier about working through that discomfort sometimes in practice putting in so much and not getting that much out of it how do you think that applied to your work either in medical school or where you're at now and what did that kind of teach you yeah so I think my personality type I've come to learn is I'm a little, I can be a little hard headed, um, a little bit, is a joke, a lot hard headed. And I think you learn pretty early on that 
working harder definitely can be rewarded and you see the benefits of harder work but the further you go the more you realize the limitations of that and you see that hard work coupled with smarter work is really where it's at that's really where you can maximize your benefits so i think that's kind of something that i've grown into learning is recognizing that i'm the kind of person that can sometimes bang his head against the wall too many times and need to step back and actually reassess how I'm doing something and uh, modify what I need to, to do better. But yeah, it's, I see the parallels every day. It's kind of funny. <laughs> do you have any examples of one of those times where you found like, oh, wow, there was a much better way that I could have been you know, doing this? 100%. I, I went through college uh, trying to learn like everyone else. And for that, at Princeton, you're surrounded by all these you know, really bright people and I always saw myself as someone who was smart enough, but never considered myself like a bright, bright guy. And I realized that going to class and listening to lecture, while that may be one person's learning style for me, I needed to read it in a book. So I learned as I went on that I was someone who needed the textbook readings, needed those recommended readings in order for me to really solidify concepts that someone else may have learned in a lecture or listened in a lecture recording. I was someone who needed to have read it. And I saw my grades improve tremendously once I realized my own learning style. And for me, it was also in medical school, attending lecture was optional. It was recorded lectures from the lectures that they gave. So I could kind of adjust my study habits based on what was working. So I kind of tried out all the learning styles and I think found what worked for me. You kind of talked about having a coach early on taught you how to be criticized. Yeah. And I definitely think that's not a common thing. I don't know how to formulate this into a question, but I just thought that was like really interesting. No, it's, it's so real, right? For me, like I can remember early on going home in tears, like in seventh grade, I remember it very vividly, just so just hurt by what I was being told. And then I realized I was like, this person cares enough to instruct me how to do something well or do better. I have to appreciate this and, you know, embrace what he's saying and, and try to improve. And I think now in my job, I can look at when I'm, when I'm at work, I could look at it, you know, two different ways. I can say this person thinks I suck, or I could say this person cares enough to make me better. And that's why he's instructing me, you know? And then that's, I think it's all about the perspective, right? And how you listen to like metabolize what is being said and the events that have taken place and then go forward. In one of my classes in college, I had a professor, I don't think I've ever done this bad on an essay because I, I like thought I was a decent writer. Yeah. Um, this is junior year, so it's pretty laid out. I think he gave me like a 32 on an essay that I wrote. And I'm like, wait, what the hell? And it was like carefully criticized. It was red markings everywhere. I guarantee, I guarantee you engaged with that assignment a little more closely than you did before. You know, That was like the one of the first assignments. And uh, you know, now I text this professor. I'm right there with you, man. I Some of the things people have told me, I have it like burned into my brain, the criticism or the thing they said. And I look back and I smile now, but I know how painful it was in the moment. And it's just, it's funny. It's funny to look back at it. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's good to have a thick skin. I don't think it's good to have such a thick skin that you think everyone who's criticizing you is like, you know, it doesn't matter. I think you should have, you should be sensitive to it to a point. But it's important to be able to stand in there in the moment and read that essay, look at the red writing and try to figure out, you know, how to make it better. 
100%. Yeah. So bringing it back, could you speak to any interactions you've had with physicians when you were an athlete? I had a lot. I, I remember I I broke my foot when I was uh, in elementary school. And I remember how like I felt like the world literally had come to an end when I couldn't play for my basketball team. I remember... I had a, a big traumatic form fracture when I was in high school where like I got taken off the field and the crowd's completely quiet. There's thousands of people in the stands looking at me and I just had this crooked forearm. I had all these injuries that are so like cemented in my head. I had um, I had a big injury when I was a senior in, in the high school as well that required surgery in my shoulder. Um, but yeah, no, I, I had plenty. And Honestly, the interactions with the doctors were, uh, I had all positive interactions, honestly, but they were so emotionally taxing the injuries, but looking back at it, it's like so silly. It's like, dude, you were, you know, no one cared about you playing in your elementary school basketball game, but when you're in the moment, it feels so important to you, you know? And that's something I try to bring to when I see my patients, I realize like, this may seem like a nothing to me, but this is a life-changing injury to them. That's extremely profound to me. No, it's it's so funny. Like you see someone in the ER who you look at and you're you're almost like you're oh gotta see this guy. And then you go see him and he's like, You realize this is the this the worst night of this guy's life. You know, he's been sitting in the ER for twelve hours and I have a chance to try to make it a little better. And it's I, I don't know, I think I try to take that into work. It seems like you have a lot of these injuries in your history, you know, and just wondering how each of those kind of taught you about failure and setbacks and kind of how to deal with being back to square one in a way. Yeah. Honestly, it gives me an understanding going forward myself when I counsel people, because it's easy for me to tell someone not to walk for three months, but it's so incredibly difficult for them to actually do that and not lose their mind. And especially in New York city where it is like the most impossible place to live with you, if you're not able to walk, you know, it's it's such a hard place to to you know be non weight bearing like getting up and down the subway steps with a cast on your leg. I can't imagine how difficult that is, but uh, yeah, it's it's just something I it's it's it's, it's remarkably difficult sometimes to to understand what you're telling someone. It's easy to say, say tell them instruct them to do something, but it's a whole other thing to have them actually carry it out. You're comfortable sharing some advice on resilience and having that athlete mindset, if you didn't have the same, like 1000 people watching you in a high school football game type experience, I think that would be helpful. Granted, I'm, I'm still learning so much about resilience and myself and my own behavior patterns. But I think one thing with resilience is having the mindset to, you know, get up and go back every single day, no matter how things are going, no matter how good or bad things are going. I think it's really easy to go into work and to have a smile on your face when you're you know, being successful and everyone's telling you you're doing a great job. But when things are really hard and you know you're not performing well or as well as you'd like, that's really the measure of your character. And, you know, getting back in there and going back to work and preparing and showing up early and staying late when you're not, you know, knocking everything out of the park. That's really where it comes down to. And I think that's where the growth happens. So honestly, I, I, I always think back to like this one quote I heard from one of my coaches. He said, you know, be grateful for those that are, are criticizing you. That means they actually care about you. And uh, that's that when you have that perspective, it makes it a little easier. Yeah. I think a common topic people bring up with resilience and like just 
doing the hard things is like, what's your source of strength? It kind of feeds into like that. What's your why? I, I think about it a lot. Like I, I, I've been blessed beyond measure in so many ways, I'm so fortunate in so many ways, but I think the, the greatest thing you can do is to take these gifts that you've been given and like, you know, opportunities you've been fortunate enough to have and just try to make the most of them. So I really think the way that I perform, the way that I approach opportunities, the way I treat others, all those things, I can, you know, leave, I, I, I can do that to the highest level that I can do. Like I can, you know, be, you know, as polite, hardworking and diligent with like all these opportunities. And that's the greatest way I can say thank you to, I think the people that have given me those opportunities and like, you know, not just my parents, but the people that decided to you know, give me an opportunity, you know, for here for residency, there's so many qualified people. And for whatever reason they chose me and the way that I can make them proud, I think is to, you know, be the hardest working, uh, most polite person I can be, you know, and, that's kind of how I approach it. It's, it's really easy to go about your job and just be like, Oh, everything's so annoying. Everyone's here to bother me. Every, you know, you have to realize, I think when you go in at the end of the day, you're in charge of your emotions and every little thing that pisses you off really just kind of reflects you. It doesn't reflect them. You know, it's like, if you sat around looking for a reason to be upset, the hospital will provide you endless opportunities to, to get upset. But I think you just need to go in and try to have some uh, some grace with how you handle the situations. Granted, it's easier said than done, but I find, I find it that if you just go about it and try to be good to people and find, uh, you know, just try to take good care of the patients and be good to everyone, then it makes the days way more fun. You know, treating people uh, with respect, I think that's that goes a long way. People don't remember the content of like what you're saying so much as they, I feel like, remember how you made them feel in so many of these interactions. If there's any final piece of advice that you recommend to people that are either going into medical school or pursuing orthopedic surgery. I think the way things are going right now in medicine, like academic metrics and going to a good school doing well and all those things it's so competitive everyone has that it's now i think things are moving towards having more of a well-rounded application in the sense of like having academic stuff outside of the grades right like having research experiences and other kind of um, life experiences that are going to make you a good doctor and i think that's being rewarded now with the like current orthopedic application going away from standardized scores starting next year, right? Like step one, step two, board exams are no longer, I, th I think it's just step one, right? Step one is no longer going to be yeah. for a grade. I think people that have research experiences and other experiences that really demonstrate sustained substantial interest in the field, um, those people are going to get rewarded and I think have been rewarded in the past, but even more so going forward. So, that's my one advice would be to get involved with the department of whatever specialty you're trying to get into and have a good substantial prolonged interest in doing that throughout med school. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Joe, for speaking with us. Really appreciate it.